Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you're looking for real-life radio, you've come to the right place. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You also know about the evil beings that took her life, and if society's lucky, we will not see them again on the streets. There's uh, Clayton Babcock, the father of Laura Babcock. This morning in uh, the courtroom in Toronto, after the guilty verdict was brought down, or verdicts were brought down, against Dylan Millard and Mark Smitch, and the death, the murder of uh, Laura Babcock, we first became familiar with the names of Millard and Smitch after the murder of Tim Bosma, in Ancaster, Ontario, and uh, now they've been through their second trial, and Millard has another trial coming up. Sean O'Shea joins me on the, the Roy Green Show on uh, Global News Radio, and Sean was uh, was in the courtroom uh, this morning or today when the verdicts were brought down. Sean, thank you very much for the time. There must have been a tremendous amount of tension in that courtroom. There was, Roy. Thanks for having me on. I did not cover the trial, but I did cover the verdict today, and Global News had extensively covered the trial. It was a packed courtroom, as you might imagine, and the jury had been deliberating for several days, and often in cases, that makes people wonder about whether the verdict will come back as a not guilty, and that's certainly not what happened today. Both men were found guilty of first-degree murder. And when the judge asked the individual jurors to confirm their guilty verdict one by one in a roll call, as is usually the case, three of the jurors broke down and burst into tears. It was extremely tense, and you could you could see and hear the emotion and see it on their faces. This was a tough decision. This was a tough case. Um, what was the response and the reaction by Millard and Smith to the uh, to the verdict? Millard, who was defending himself, turned around and gave a long death stare to the Babcock family. Just stared them down and then turned around. Smitch was facing forward. And the family was there for the entire trial, and they were in the, the first row behind behind the uh, area where the judges judge and the lawyers sit. So they were there, and they looked back. But when the judge, you know, when the jury read the verdict, um, there was a lot of gasping on the part of the the family as well. I mean, this is the verdict that they had hoped for, but in the press conference just afterward, um, Clayton Babcock said, uh, you know, this wasn't, this still was not a great day for them. It doesn't bring any joy, he said, to them. He said the loss of Laura today is no less painful than it was five years ago, and like any parent, he said, who loses a child, they can only move forward with thoughts of what might have been. So the verdict they wanted, but not a great day. Good people facing abhorrent evil. It's, uh, it's, it's always so incredibly difficult, and you can't help asking yourself, how can anybody do this? But it happens again and again, and so we have the responsibility of having a justice system that holds them accountable. You had an opportunity to speak to the, to the Crown. What, what, did they, what was the Crown's position? The, the Crown's position essentially was that uh, that they were they were happy. They said justice was served today. They were very thankful to the members of the jury. You know, long trial, seven weeks or so, uh, long deliberation, right before Christmas. It's an emotional time. 
Um, it's, a, it's a murder case. Uh, they thank the Babcock family. And then I, I, I spotted the Crown prosecutor uh, inside the courtroom after things had been wrapping up, and, and she was crying. She'd hugged the family members, and then when she came outside to talk to reporters, I asked her about what kind of an effect it had on the legal team, the Crown. And she said, you know, this took a toll on all of us, our family. She said, you don't look at it till it's over, and they'll look back on it with emotion. So this kind of a case, um, when you're dealing with good people and people that are really involved in trying to do the right thing and trying to do their jobs professionally, it does take a toll. You could see it on the jurors. You could see it on the lawyers. And um, justice is, is done. But as I said, it's, it's still not a great day for people because there's no bringing Laura Babcock back. No, and nobody ever expects to be face-to-face with this kind of evil and this kind of self-indulgent evil. Uh, what did the uh, police and the det- you spoke to a detective, did you, Sean? Yeah, the, the lead detective there, I asked him the question about, you know, why uh, he thought uh, it took the jury so long. And uh, he, he opined that uh, he thought it, it took them so long because they really wanted to take it seriously, do the right thing, and approach it so professionally. And on that point, uh, w- one other interesting aspect of this of this day in court was that after the judge dismissed the jury, usually that's it. But then after the jury was dismissed, um, the judge um, mused about the possibility of of the length of time uh, before parole eligibility. Normally, on a on a first degree murder case, there's no parole for 25 years. But as you pointed out, uh, both of these men were previously convicted of first degree murder. Of course, the jury didn't know that, couldn't know that, weren't told that, because they didn't want to have that get into their way of their deliberations. But, but after the, the verdict was read and the jury was dismissed, the judge called the jury back about 10 minutes later. He wanted their opinion about parole eligibility because they've now been convicted of two first-degree murder charges. Under some new legislation, federal legislation, those sentences could be served consecutively rather than concurrently, so one after the other. And he wanted to ask the jurors what they thought would be fair when it came to these men and how long they should spend in jail. And both uh, the, unanimously, in the, in, in the case of Della Millard, the jury came back uh, and said, you know, th- they should be served consecutively. In other words, potentially no parole eligibility for 50 years as opposed to 25. Um, in the case of Smitch, five of the jury members uh, thought it should be longer and seven had no opinion. So this is a, a unique case as well, because this will, and the judge admitted he, he's not dealt with anything like this because the law is fairly new. Right. Um, Sean, thank you so much for the time. Uh, tough day for everyone. Uh, for you in the courtroom, for those of us listening, for the family, obviously, and uh, much appreciate the time. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Roy. You have a good day. You too. Sean O'Shea from Global News on The Roy Green Show.